Okay, well, welcome, everybody. <laughs> We're finally here, and um, I'm excited, and um, it's good to have uh, my wife via FaceTime joining us. Hi, Melody. We can't hear you, but we appreciate you, and we see Joel. So this week, uh, for this summer, we're going to be doing a series on the life of Christ and um, uh, really what God's plan is for each of us, what God's plan is uh, for the body of Christ in general. But I wanted to start today with uh, a message that uh, I like to hear and I need to hear um, several times a year, and that is uh, casting your cares on the Lord. And... um, you know, really keeping everything in the right place in the right order. So I want to start in Mark chapter 11, verse uh, 22. Mark eleven twenty-two. I'm going to pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this opportunity that we have, uh, this freedom that we have to come together uh, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, the freedom that we have to worship you openly, um, that we can even be using a public school uh, to gather together in the name of Christ. And Father, we just ask this morning that you'll give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Father, that you'd open your word to us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, that he brings light and brings understanding uh, and revelation to us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, one of my favorite scriptures that becomes more favorite to me uh, really every week, almost every day, is Mark eleven twenty two: have faith in God. And uh, in the margin of the King James Version, it says, have the faith of God. Um, But I really like even how King James translates it, have the faith of God. And you could look at uh, pretty much any situation, especially if you're facing a challenge or something that you don't understand or something that's uh, difficult for you, and answer it with have faith in God. And, you know, what do I do in this situation with my children and you know, they're, they're not responding the way that I would like them to respond, the way that I know is good for them in the long run to respond, uh, have faith in God. And, uh, you know, you have financial difficulties. What am I going to do? Where's the money going to come from? Have faith in God. And what's God's plan for my life? What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Uh, have faith in God. And many times if you've been in the church for any length of time, it's real easy to... Uh, let those words just kind of pass through your mind and not sit deep in your heart. And, you know, we learn in Hebrews that one of the most important things is for the things that you've already heard to pay extra special, extra close attention to them. So when we think of having faith in God, you know, I like to use the situation of raising children. What do you do if your children are not listening, your children are are going in the direction that would cause them... uh, to not have a blessed life and not have a good life. Well, you have faith in God, which means you go to God first. And you say, you know, the life I'm living, I choose to trust God in my life. And so in every situation, this situation is with my children. So I'm not going to try to conquer this on my own because I already see what I can get on my own. So I'm going to you, Lord. And I'm bringing this up to you. And then... You know, prayer is communication with God. So if I was communicating with you like I'm communicating with you now, it's kind of typical church service is more lecture style. Uh, But prayer is not lecture style. That's probably a misstatement. Uh, 
prayer shouldn't be lecture style. A lot of times our impression of prayer, especially you see it portrayed in movies and different things, it's lecture style. It's, and, it, and the sad part about it is it's not God lecturing us, it's us lecturing God. <laughs> uh, so we don't want to lecture God, but we want to have a communication with God. And, you know, I like to think of if you have a, a really good friend, maybe it's your husband or wife, uh, maybe it's uh, just a good buddy, um, someone that you enjoy spending time with that you kind of help each other out. You sit down and you communicate with them, and you'll find if you do all of the talking that uh, you don't have the fullness of a relationship that you could have. Uh, it's really kind of shallow. And, and with the relationship with the Lord, of course, you don't want it to be shallow. So uh, have faith in God. So even when we come to prayer, you want to have faith in God. Faith in God means you trust what he says is true. Call unto me and I will answer you. Uh, bring your request, make your request known to me. And you spend time fellowshipping with your heavenly father, talking with your heavenly father in faith. Meaning when you are conversing with the Lord or you're conversing with someone, you actually pause because you're waiting for them to say something. So you're saying, Lord, uh, Honestly, I'm frustrated about my children, and I'm really disappointed. I'm even scared. Like, I don't want to see them go this direction. And um, so I need your help. What should I do? And then you allow the Lord to speak because he will speak, uh, especially if you believe him, if you're trusting him. So you let him speak. So have faith in God. Um, I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, uh, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it and it'll happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe that you've received it, it'll be yours. But you, when you're praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. So, you know, as it so happens, uh, I think most of you guys, actually all of you guys have spoke uh, in ministry, and many times I have experienced that when you speak on a subject that afterwards you have opportunities to put it into practice more than sometimes your flesh would like. Uh, and then of late, it seems like uh, sometimes I have opportunities before I'm preparing to do something or during it. So my iPad happens to be full, and so if you, as you see, I'm using like paper notes and stuff because every time I open Evernote, it just crashes, crashes, crashes. <laughs> And, um, and then uh, something else I was trying to do. Oh, yeah, so I was out of town this last week on a business trip and uh, was endeavoring to study my Logos Bible software. And so I thought, oh, this is great. I don't need to bring some of these other books and stuff because I got Logos on my iPad. So I started off and poof, poof. And um, it didn't click that before, like this morning, I should have checked to see if I could get Evernote to open. So I get to use paper today, which the cool thing is I know it won't lose battery power. So, you know, you get an opportunity to put things into practice so that I'm, like, not worrying or stressing or fretting about the fact that I really enjoy using the iPad. Um, so, um, have faith in God. You know, uh, one of the scriptures uh, that I really like is Mark chapter 4, um, talking about the parable of the sower for casting your cares on the Lord. And um, 
I'll go through the part starting in verse 13 where Jesus gives the uh, meaning of the parable. Then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will we understand all the other parables? The farmer plants the seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. So sometimes, you know, Jesus is teaching us, sometimes you'll, you'll hear a word. He's talking about sowing seed. So if you equate it like he did to planting seed in the ground, it gives you a really vivid picture. But don't get distracted by the fact that he's talking about seed in the ground. Remember, like for us that are here, we're talking about when the word is sown into your life. So like in today's message, but not just in today's message, when you are spending time in the morning in the word, meditating the word, in your prayer time with the Lord, he's talking to you. He's speaking to you. He's like, you know, showing things. So you're, you're like there and all of a sudden he draws your attention to something and you're, oh, what's that? So when that happens, that word is being sown into you. When you're listening to a good anointed message um, on an MP3 or however you're listening to it, um, when that's happening, pay attention to what Jesus is saying in this proverb because, uh, uh, excuse me, this parable, because this is what happens. And you fall into one of these four categories and I fall into one of these four categories. And not always do I fall in the category I want to fall in or you want to fall in, which is the fourth category, which is good ground. Um, so the first one is the farmer plants the seed uh, uh, by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those that hear the message only to have Satan come and take, uh, at, take it away at once. And you may can look back in your own life and see periods where it's been like that, or you can see it in the lives of others. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. So you hear something like, oh, this is great. This is awesome. And I've been in that category. And then all of a sudden, you know, something happens, a difficulty happens and whoop, it's plucked out. And you like almost forget you heard the message and you hear it like a year or two later. And you're like, oh man, why didn't I like, I knew that like a year ago, but it just kind of went away. Um, so uh, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message, immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, so it's something that's kind of um, newer. You don't have deep roots even in Christ himself. They don't last long. And they fall away as soon as they have problems and are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among, verse 18, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. That's kind of where I want to get back to today. The lure of wealth and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. So on the part of the, the seed that's being sown, the person that's sowing the seed, it can be like the most amazing person sowing the seed. And we know the seed that they're sowing is the Word of God. And the Word of God is alive, it's powerful. The Word of God can fix anything in your life, anything in any situation, anytime. So you know the seed is good seed. It's, the problem is not with the seed. And then um, the sower is sowing the seed. And, but you can have the best seed, which we do. You can have the best sower, the person that you respect the most to sow the Word of God into your life. And how you receive it determines whether you'll be fruitful or not. In this case, so no fruit is produced. And then verse 20, and the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produced a harvest 
of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. You know, and produce a harvest, to me that denotes don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word. So you're producing a harvest, something's happening. But let's look back at verse 19. So you hear the word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth or the desire for other things. So uh, King James says the deceitfulness of riches, um, the cares of this world, and the desire for other things. So many times the worries of life can crowd out word that you love, that you know, that you've heard. But if we allow the worries to kind of get their place, we don't have faith in God in each and every situation, then all of a sudden the word starts to be crowded out because the worry gets more of our attention rather than the word of God getting more of our attention. And in today's American society where we live, that is super easy to happen because um, we're all church planners here and you've got like your family uh, that everybody here just moved across the country and then you've got uh, either a new job, new position or a new role in the same job because you're working remotely or doing something else. And then you've got, you know, you're a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, and then you are, you know, of course, before that, you're a servant of God, and then you're the family part, and then you're serving in the church, and you're serving in something that's brand new, you know, so you're, you're playing. So the point is, it's so easy to look at Scripture, and if you have somebody that tells a really good story, like Jesus probably tells the best stories, and so you hear this, and you're like, you know what, um, I'm the good ground because that's where we all want to be. And you see like the hero in a story and you want to be the hero in the story. Everybody sees himself as Superman. And, you know, most people don't see themselves as Lex Luthor, right? You see yourself as Superman. Um, you, the reason you like to hear people that are, have been mightily used of God, miracles and stuff like that is, yeah, it's great to see that transformation in someone's life, but everybody has a heart to be used of God to reach other people. And it's awesome to have God speak through you and use you. Uh, that's why testimonies are so good to hear testimonies because so many things happen and you don't know, you know, you may be the one ministering to someone, you don't even know it, it happened. I know like about, well, this is probably like six years ago now, uh, I had taught in a church on a Wednesday night and um, was teaching about the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And two years ago, uh, a grandmother came up to me at a meeting we were having. It was like a little social, ice cream social. And she came up to me and she said, I just want to thank you so much because you changed my grandson's life. The Lord used you. Uh, I think he got filled with the Spirit and he was like delivered from all of this stuff, completely delivered. And I said to her, I said, um, I said I'm, I'm Tim. She's like, I know, you know, Pastor Tim. And she's like, I know. And I said, you know, there's two Pastor Tims here. And... Uh, because I hadn't, it was at a church I was associate pastor and hadn't been speaking for a long time. So I'm thinking she's talking about like last week or whatever. And she's like, no, no, no. Like years ago on a Wednesday night, you were teaching and I was praying for my grandson and he needed delivered. He needed set free. And um, you ministered to him and he was completely set free. His life was completely changed from that. But, you know, I'm the one ministering and you know, you're so in the sea, but you don't always get to see the results. So uh, I think of Teal Osborne who he had an uh, evangelistic meeting uh, overseas in, I think it was like 1952. And um, there was a leper in the crowd. 
And in that crowd, he had like, I think there were 100,000 people in the crowd. And he said, only about 10 or 12 people came forward and said that they were healed in the meeting. And he was known as a, you know, gospel evangelist, but mainly through preaching the gospel and so many healings. And uh, he said, you know, he told that story. He said, it's a little embarrassing to me because you have 100,000 people and like 12 people come up. Uh, that's not good results looking like. But he said, then they stayed the next week and he asked how many people were healed and all these people came up. And the next week, same thing, same thing. Well, this was uh, 1952-ish uh, when that happened. And then um, the gentleman came when he was back in the same country 50 years later and came and said, I had leprosy. I was healed in your crusade in 1952. And so he didn't hear about it until 50 years later. So we walk by faith and not by sight. And you have, we have to ask ourselves many times, how much do we believe this without seeing the evidence immediately? So you should see evidence. You should have signs following. Them that believe if you're preaching the word, you'll have signs following. But you don't have to have signs following to know that you're doing what you're doing. But you should. There should be signs. You should know that. Hopefully that makes sense. But it's real important that um, uh, we don't overlook things, especially when, you know, uh, Jesus is telling us, you know, here's some categories and you want to fall in the good ground. You want to become the good ground. But all too quickly, the message can be crowded out by the worries of life. And that can creep up on me. It can creep up on you. And that's why I say I like to, you know, put myself back under a message um, about casting my cares on the Lord several times a year. Because for me growing up, um, for whatever reason, I learned how to be a professional worrier. And so uh, if you think a lot, or honestly, I used to say that more. If you're a thinker, you're more prone to it. But I don't know that you necessarily are. I think in any realm of life, if you let distractions get your focus off of God, you can find yourself in worry. And um, many times for me, I don't even realize that I'm worrying or fretting or having anxiety. Um, let's look at Matthew chapter 6. No one can, uh, verse 24 we'll start with, and uh, this is also a New Living Translation. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. So he didn't say, like, you shouldn't serve God and money. He said you cannot serve God and money. It's not possible. So you, and, uh, that tells me that you're probably serving one or the other, that I'm probably serving one or the other. And again, we look at our lives many times as like, okay, I'm either doing this in every area of my life or I'm not. But you know, you can have faith in one area and not faith in another. Brother Hagen ministered to a lady that she, uh, every time she would have a cold or a flu, she'd come, she'd get prayed for. And he said, you could watch, like, this is not, not to be gross, but maybe I'll uh, sanitize a little bit. You could watch the mucus just stop. Her nose would stop running. She'd get hands laid on her, boom done. Had faith for that all the time. But she was crippled in a wheelchair. And she didn't have faith to receive healing for that. In fact, they went and prayed for her. And they prayed the power of God down so much that she levitated out of her wheelchair up in front of her wheelchair. And she looked, reached down and grabbed her wheelchair and pulled herself back into it. She didn't have faith for that. But she had faith for any like, you know, cold, flu, those type of symptoms. So you can have uh, faith in one area and not in another. And it's important to locate, you know, um, 
one of the things, you know, you learn from Brother Hagin is you locate people by what they say. And I like to add to that, you locate yourself by what you say. And a lot of times we want to say, we always want to say, if we're in right relationship with God, we want to speak the word, speak the word, speak the word. But it can be helpful uh, to let yourself speak to someone that's really close to you, like your husband or wife, and just say, you know, what are you really feeling about this? You know, and speak to the Lord, really, as you're developing your relationship with the Lord. You know, Lord, I'm, like I was using the example of the kids, I'm afraid my kids are going to turn out bad. I'm afraid with them acting like this. And tell the Lord that. And then as soon as you say that, it helps you locate yourself. And it helps the Lord respond to you. Like, why we aren't fully upfront honest with the Lord, I don't know because, I mean, he knows everything. He might as well be. But it's better to locate yourself and figure out where you're at because then what do you do? Then you can say, oh, hmm, I'm in fear in this area. So I need to find scriptures that cover that, scriptures that tell me. So the scriptures we're looking at today, we're going to look at three uh, examples from three different people. We're looking at... Um, a, a, Actually, we're looking at four examples from three different people, but we're looking at two from Jesus to start with, and then we're going to look at one from Paul and one from Peter, talking about not worrying or fretting or having anxiety. So Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. He will hate one or love the other. He'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food, your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they, aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can uh, all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today, Trouble is enough for today. <laughs> uh, you know, one, one minister said, don't give any undue thought is a way to look at that. So obviously you have to think about tomorrow. Proverbs tells us about planning, uh, even saving money for the future and preparing for the future. And God is a huge planner, but you don't want to give any undue thought. So, you know, Jesus is talking and you can see he's saying like unbelievers, this is like the focus of their attention. This is what they're doing. And, you know, you start talking about um, moving away to plant a church and you hear people say, oh, I could never do that. And, you know, I've got this and built all this up and done all this. And your focus becomes on what you've done or what you can do rather than on what he's done and what he can do. And it's super easy to, again, let worry slip in or fretting slip in and um, um, not do it. You know, in... Um, must have been 1933, Brother Hagen was born again. You guys all probably know the story where he kind of went to hell three times. And um, the third time coming back up, he started praying and he received uh, Christ. And then after he was born again, he told the Lord, he said, the second I read something in your word and understand it, I'll do it. And so he did. And he started 
in the book of Matthew, and he started reading, and he got right here to uh, chapter 6, and as he says, I got hung up because I read that, and I thought, that's impossible. That can't be done. And he said, I was a world champion warrior. He learned it from his mother and his grandmother. And uh, he said, that, that can't be done. And that was in April. And from April until July, the word was not alive to him at all. He wasn't getting anything out of the word. He'd try to read it, and he couldn't do it. And in July, he was talking to the Lord, and the Lord said, you know, when are you going to do that? Because you said that you would do um, whatever you read and understood that you would do it. And so it was actually on July the 4th, I think it was 1933, he said, okay, Lord, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to have anxiety. And um, uh, he did it, and he says, I never worried again from that point forward. And uh, one of the verses we're going to look at says, cast all of your cares once and for all on him. And I would say, for me, I'd want to interpret it to say that you have a lifestyle of casting your cares on the Lord. Because um, the way Dad Hagen would say it is he would say, now I was tempted to worry many times after that. Meaning you're going to have a situation come up where you're going to want to worry and you're going to want to like put too much thought into it and too much attention on it and too much attention then therefore it's on that, it's not on the Lord. And so situations will come up in life from now until you see Jesus. And not just a vision of Jesus, but when you die in the flesh and go up to heaven or Jesus returns, you know, in glory, we still have the flesh to contend with. And really, if you're going to choose to live by faith and walk by faith, you're going to have more opportunities to worry uh, than other people. Because uh, you're not going to live a life that is necessarily simple and easy, that goes with the flow. Uh, you're going to live a life that... Um, causes a few ripples to go out uh, where you, you really need to um, put your attention and keep your attention on the Lord. Philippians, uh, probably the two of the scriptures we think of most when we think of casting your cares on the Lord is Philippians 4, 6. I'm going to read uh, both of these in the Amplified. And then 1 Peter 5, 7. 4, 6 says, Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition, definite requests, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So not fretting or having any anxiety about anything, and like we said at the beginning of the message, taking it to the Lord. Um, so if you're starting to fret or you're like the children example, I'm really afraid of what's going to happen to my kids, just immediately take it to the Lord. And then you're not keeping it. The problem is when we keep it. Uh, you know, like Brother Hagin would say, birds can fly over your head, but don't let them build a nest there. And um, another minister said, you know, the most holy saint of God has had thoughts in his head that his heart regretted. So you're going to have thoughts come, um, thoughts of worry. You, I mean, I mean, I don't need to go down the list. The devil works through your thought life, and um, sometimes we aid him way too much because we're like, oh, okay, I'm going to start thinking about that. And, um, you know, 
something can be enticing to your eyes and it can be any number of things. It can be immoral things. It can be wealth and riches. It can be, um, uh, believe it or not, it can be fear. Fear can be very enticing to people. And um, especially if you've been brought up in an environment where fear is allowed to exist and to remain without being addressed, uh, worry is the same way. You can grow up in an environment where worry, uh, like Dad Hagen talked about, has been allied not only allowed to be there, but to flourish. And so the way you learn to respond to life is through those unbiblical ways. And then you kind of have um, not the deep root that you should have in the Word, and you don't experience all of God's goodness. First Peter 5, 7, Therefore, humble yourselves, demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God. And that's one of my favorite scriptures, you know, um, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God because what you're really doing is saying, okay, Lord, ha I'm having faith in you. Have faith in God. I'm coming under you and what you're doing. I'm not out there on my own. And that's a place of safety. That's why I love that <laughs> because I want people to see him and know him. And uh, I don't know a whole lot, but I've been around long enough to know that what he wants for me, even when I don't understand it, is way beyond what I could want for me. And it's way better. That in due time, he may exalt you, casting the whole of your care, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns. Uh, this, is, this is the scripture I was talking about. Once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and about you watchfully. So there is no one else that will care for you like Jesus. Should I sing the song? <laughs> no one. Uh, he's the one that knows you the best. And, you know, the blood of Jesus affects so many areas of your life, but one of my favorite areas to um, believe and speak is that um, I plead the blood of Jesus over my affections. Because you can get, if the devil can get your affections, he can change the course of your life. Because when you have affection for something or someone, think of when you were... Um, falling in love with your husband or wife? Where did your thought life go to? My thought life, you know, went to Melody. I was thinking a lot about Melody. You know, I still love the Lord. I was in Bible school. Actually, I just graduated from Bible school, was on staff at the ministry. And, uh, but I thought a lot about Melody and because my affection was there. And so uh, if we set our affection, the Bible says to set our affection on things above, not things of the earth. And it's real, it's, you get doing all this stuff, busy life, and you see things that people have that you don't have. Let me tell you, there will always be things that other people have that you don't have. Uh, but a lot of those people that have those other things don't have what you have, which is the peace of God. And what the world is searching for is that peace that passes understanding. And when we, um, when we allow worry uh, to creep in or... I don't know if I should use the word worry. When we give undue time in our thought life to uh, things of the world that are happening around us, it crowds out the peace of God. You know, that's why in Philippians chapter uh, 4, verse 6, talks about giving your cares to the Lord. But then verse 7 says, you know, the peace of God is going to come in like a garrison of soldiers in a turbulent country. And one translation says, and I love that. It's like all of a sudden you've got all this turmoil going on and these soldiers just 
rush in and calm it down. And, you know, and then, of course, Philippians, one of my favorite books of the Bible says, then what are you supposed to think on? What's lovely, noble, pure, praiseworthy? You think on these things. But you can't put the cart before the horse. So you're like, okay, I'm going to think about what's lovely, noble, pure, but I'm holding on to this because I'm really concerned about this. I'm really concerned about my kids. Um, well, uh, why don't you teach them the word? Well, but they're off in this and they're off in that. And, you know, well, you know, why don't you see, talk to someone else. Maybe they can give you some good advice, those type of things. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to help. How easy it is to get there. I'm just talking about with kids, but you can get in other situations, you know, uh, you know, financial situations where, yeah, but, you know, where's the money going to come from? I just lost my job or I just, I've just been demoted or uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, we live in the world. We're not of the world, but we live in the world. And this world is a um, decaying world. It's sin-stained world. So bad things are going to happen. And I think, the other day I was thinking about it, because um, I'm just like the rest of everybody else, you know. I would like to live the Christian life. That means that everything is perfect and nothing goes wrong. Um, and I don't even remember what the particular situation I was a little bit frustrated about was. Uh, I, would, I would tell you if I did, but I don't remember right now. Uh, but I remember all of a sudden, just of an inside of me, I remembered Paul. And I remembered him being in a shipwreck. And he said, you know, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. I believe God. We're going to lose the ship and all the cargo, but we're not going to lose our lives. Well, I mean, isn't that amazing? Like, you know how much money that probably was worth? Like the ship and all the cargo and everything they had. And, you know, um, who knows if he lost some parchments and different things that he had written down that were very, you know, people would say that's not worth you know, it was worth some money then because, you know, parchment paper, but compared to everything else on the ship, that to most people probably wouldn't have been worth much, but that'd be worth a lot to me. And um, he said, be of good cheer. You know, I believe God. And an angel stood by me this night and he told me this and this and this. Uh, well, didn't Paul hear from God before that? Why, why did they lose the ship? Why did they lose all of that? And you can look at the life of Paul in so many different situations and it's really easy to think like, okay, if I'm like the best faith man or faith woman, things are going to go well and I'm not going to, you know, the devourer's rebuked, he's not going to take my stuff, all that type of stuff. Well, we have those scriptures to stand on and to believe God for, but we live in a fallen, decaying world. And so you're going to have to use your faith sometimes to get things back that the devil, you know, tried to take because of things that we sometimes know and things that we don't know. Um, but the point being, if we set a standard for ourselves that's unbiblical, we have the wrong standard. And we're still in the world. And I wish that people weren't dying and going to hell, but they still are. And so we have a huge mission to bring peace. And there's a lot of Christians that don't have peace because they're full of anxiety and worry. And um, the world definitely doesn't have peace because they don't have peace with God. And you can't have ultimate peace until you have peace with God. And Jesus came uh, to be... Uh, and is, and he came as the Prince of Peace. And so he's the one that brought us peace and ushered in peace. So we thank God for peace. So I think what I would like us to close today, um, since I know all of you very well, is um, 
why don't we all just pray together? Um, I'll pray and then, you know, you can repeat after me and we'll just make sure that we have everything in the Lord's hands that needs to be in the Lord's hands and we'll keep ourselves in, you know, in faith in him. Uh, Heavenly Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name. I thank you for your word and for your spirit. Thank you for making your word alive to me. And I just uh, give you my cares right now. Each and everything uh, that I'm giving too much attention to, I release it to you right now. And I ask you to work in those situations. And I trust you. I have faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. I like that prayer. <laughs> I like to do that. Uh, and then, you know, right before we close, close, uh, I've said to you guys before, and you guys have probably experienced it, when you're ministering to people, I would say not being exaggerated, without exaggeration, that over half the time people that come up for prayer, they need to pray that prayer before any other prayer because uh, we're holding on to something and it doesn't let the Lord work in that situation because he's not, uh, he's a person of authority and he's not going to take something that you have. You have to freely give it to him. So we're trying to like do all this other stuff and pray like, you know, you got sickness in your body and, you know, I command it to go in the name of Jesus. Okay, but you're holding on to this. You know, you're, you're holding on to this worry and these cares and, um, you know, peace can't overtake. Peace in your body can't overtake. And peace in your finances can't overtake. So I just encourage each and every one of us, as you're ministering to yourself or to other people, uh, worry is an area just to really pay attention to. And you can, when people come up to ask for prayer, you can normally hear it in their voice, you know, because they're going to tell you, this is this, you can tell they're worried and they're going to give you all these details and you have to figure out, okay, now is the time for me to interrupt you so you can stop speaking all of this stuff so we can pray and let the Lord work on this situation. And um, a good percentage of the people that I've prayed with uh, come forward with things that, you know, uh, you'd think you should worry about. <laughs> uh, but the Bible says every worry, every care, everything. And, um, you know, you get people coming to you for prayer and you find out that you're, uh, what you were starting to worry about wasn't really that significant to, compared to what is for other people. But the thing with worry is when people get stressed and um, worry about it, to them it, it is important, even if it may seem insignificant to us. It's, uh, it's very important. So, praise the Lord. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I wasn't talking loud enough, babe. I should have put you close to me. Yay. And next week, my iPad should be functioning. Could you hear? <laughs>